I'm recording now. I'm recording now. Hey, this is the Never Heard of It podcast. I'm Sean Harwell. And I'm Craig Moorhead. And this is the podcast where we look at all the movies that have slipped through all of your cracks. So, so true. Today's movie is The Overnighters, the 2014 documentary, which was pretty much a one-man show by director Jesse Moss. Uh, This is the movie that I'll just read from Wikipedia. Depicts the lives of people chasing the dreams of high salaries in the North Dakota oil boom, only to discover that affordable housing is almost impossible to find. Much of the focus is on the efforts of local pastor Jay Reinke, hopefully I'm getting that name right, who allowed over 1,000 different people to stay at his Wilson, North Dakota church over a period of about two years. You know, I think it's Reinke. Rinky. Let's go with that. I, you know, they say it a thousand times in the movie, and I still couldn't. <laughs> I still wasn't sure, you know what I'm yeah. saying? No, uh, because, I, you know, I think he mostly goes by Pastor Jay, right? Yes. Um, I think that's fair. Right. And so this is the first documentary that we're talking about on this podcast. And obviously, I think that that uh, gives us a, a certain different set of criteria to talk about things. I say right up front, I'd love to know, Craig. You had never heard of this thing. Uh, just briefly, what did you think about it? Well, uh, the the first, my first impression of it was that I had heard of it. Oh, okay. Uh, as soon as I, yeah, as soon as I, as soon as it started, I realized, oh yeah, I heard about this. This was a, I think it was a big Sundance hit, possibly. It was in 2014, um, and I'd heard a lot about it then, and it, yeah, uh, yeah, it, it totally fascinated me then uh, as a story, just because uh, I kind of like. Because as someone who, as a kid, grew up in a church, and that church, you kind of saw the dark side of that church, and you saw the light side of that church. Mm-hmm. I, the way I had heard about this was that it, it dealt somewhat with that. But so, yeah, so I was fascinated about this because of its setting, set in a church uh, where someone, you know, a guy's trying to do the right thing, and the neighbors aren't so happy with him. It reminded me a lot of the church I grew up in. Where it was, you know, where where you talk about help your neighbor and all that stuff, but then yeah. uh, one little thing uh, suddenly everyone in the church is is mad about something, and and trying to uh, I don't know. There's like this weird infighting when you're thinking but run you on, out. I, I thought we were just talking about love a second ago. Um, <laughs> it's just like real, you know. It's real people. Uh, anyway, well, that's interesting to me because a I'm dying to know where you went to church now and b <laughs> i had seen this trailer several times just online in various places and you know for whatever reason what stuck with me had nothing to do with the church i didn't even remember or or you know know that this necessarily was what centered around that or a pastor mm-hmm. i thought i was thinking more of the, the Boomtown, the Steinbeckian Grapes of Wrath, you know, they sort of mention that in one of the big blurbs that's on the poster. And that's what was kind of fascinating me about this was, God, like, uh, you know, you just, there's there's so many allusions to, like, the Wild West and, and, you know, chasing the American dream and also, like, taking a modern-day pilgrimage. You know, I just watched uh, Herzog's, you know, Aguirre, The Wrath of God, and these guys are looking for El Dorado, and it f- kind of feels like that's what these men from mostly America, but all around the world, and, the, you know, they're the dudes that you see in Home Depot or, you know, it's not like... These aren't soldiers. These aren't cowboys. It's not. 
it, it's barely classifies as middle class, if you could even say that. And you probably can't for the most part of what we see in the film. But the, they are simply looking for a better life. And that in itself is a very compelling subject matter for anything, let alone a documentary, because I knew I had no clue that this was happening anywhere yeah. in America, let alone in North Dakota, like in the Plains. And uh, so I was really drawn to that. And then, yeah, you get this other complete layer in the story. And, you know, I, it's weird to say something like this is entertaining because the subject matter is somewhat, it, it's bleak. Yeah, I, you know, and I don't want that to turn people off because it's still very worthwhile. But Man, it really stirred me in a lot of different ways. And there's some pretty big twists in this thing, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But yeah. one of the one of the things I thought might be good to talk about up front though is I, you know, very earlier on we're kind of treated to these title cards that talk about okay, yeah, that there was an oil explosion that happened, an influx of people kind of descended upon this town. There's a lot of talk about from the neighbors, from the congregation at this church that's a little uneasy with all these guys showing up is hopefully at some point we'll transition back to the way it used to be. I think one of the congregation members, that woman, says that. I never completely got the feeling that I knew what this town was before they showed up in this documentary. So I don't think that's necessarily a criticism against the movie because you know what? I just looked it up on Wikipedia. So uh, <laughs> this town, Williston, just just real quickly, though. All right. According to Wikipedia, the 2010 census listed the population as 14,000. 2013, it was up to 20,000, almost 21,000. So that's, yeah, that's a pretty significant increase in population, specifically percentage-wise. That also then made Williston the sixth largest city in North Dakota, which is incredible <laughs> if you yeah. live anywhere outside of North Dakota and you watch this movie to see it looks like such a small I don't want to say desolate because it's not but a very small contained town mm-hmm. and to think that that is the sixth largest in the state is that gives me a good kind of indication of what North Dakota was like um, mm-hmm. it's never been and I would love to go uh, so I, I thought some of that was interesting and, and kind of good to know because, yeah, we're not really treated to that. We, we start right from the, the, you know, the get go. These people are already here. This pastor has let them in, is letting them stay for up to a month, either inside or in the parking lot if they have a car. And you kind of get the feeling that that is not going to be sustainable. And mm-hmm. so from that setup, I'm kind of curious, like, you know, watching documentary again, it's like, I feel like you're just, you're immediately put in a different kind of mind frame than watching a blockbuster or whatever, you know, Hollywood is putting out. Did you have any sort of indication of what this movie was ultimately going to be about from that beginning? Because it's called The Overnighters. Very early, we are treated to this is Michael, this is Keegan, this is Paul. Jay, Pastor Jay, sort of feels like a smaller part of this story, and yet the movie very much becomes about him, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I mean, I I always thought of it as being his movie. I always thought okay. of him as being, being the main character. Um, and again, some of that is based on having seen the trailers, I think, from before. 
maybe uh you know partially the poster i mean there he is and and i mean it, you know and it opens with him um sure enough so but but going in i always thought the story was you know the backdrop is you have all these people coming for these jobs and they're not not necessarily in the best position in life in the first place things aren't going well in the town and now this pastor who was just trying to help a few people now you know he can't close his doors right you know it's the thing like you help one person and then a hundred people are behind them to have the same problem you got to help them you know so um that's what i always thought it was going to be about and it was going to be about his his struggle i i didn't i didn't have any idea it was going to go where it went well then i i want to ask then were you ever bored by some of the side routes to like keegan's story we spent a lot of time sort of seeing keegan his girlfriend his baby and some of that stuff uh, we're, we're, because it's it is almost a two-hour movie, I think, and I don't know. I'm, I'm curious. Like, I, I think when you're when you're looking at a documentary and you're kind of figuring out how successful it was, it's the same old questions in a lot of ways. Is did you ever lose interest? Did you tune out at all? And did they sort of choose the right subjects, in your opinion, and, and spend enough time, the right amount of time with those subjects? Well. I I never did lose interest. Okay, great. Um, and, and I am not someone who can sit down and watch any documentary. I can sit down and watch any horror movie, <laughs> any horror movie. No any? matter. Any Ghoulies too. I will watch Ghoulies too, twice in a row. <laughs> okay. Um. So generally, I'm not drawn to a lot of documentaries uh, as a genre, but. Um, why is that? I'm going to stop you right there and ask why. Because I, I think theatrically, I'm the exact same, and I think most people are. Yeah. Like we don't, and p- probably some of that is due to the fact that they don't show up in theaters as much. But with Netflix now, I do feel like there's a bit of a groundswell of people watching documentaries that they would not normally watch because they are available. Yeah. You're saying you're not... Okay, if, if, all, if all things are equal on Netflix, a documentary is not going to be the first thing you choose just on a Tuesday night. Probably not. Um, Why? Why well, do you think that is? I, I think there, I think there are the few basic reasons that are true for most people. I think, uh, on the one hand, most documentaries, in general. Okay, this sounds like a generalization. Let's have it. It's not. A, it's, it's not a generalization <laughs> at all. Okay. <laughs> but in general, uh-huh. all documentaries are depressing. Okay. Um, that's of, not of true. Of course, yes, that's, continue. that's not at all completely true. Right. But. I would say the, the the vast majority will not leave you with an uplifting feeling. Would you describe this movie as depressing? If you were talking to your parents, <laughs> because that's yeah. the ultimate test. I mean, you might want to watch this movie, Mom. It, I'll go ahead and warn you; it's a little bit depressing. Right. Well, but yeah. I mean, it's worth, it's worth and maybe depressing time. is not the word I would want to use because I don't want to make it sound like it's just some bleak. Right, but we movie all do that's it. supposed yeah. to make you feel bad. It's not. Right, exactly. But but it's but it is showing it is showing the lives of people who are in this struggle. And it's a real life struggle. That's the thing. You know it's real. And 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 if most documentaries follow real life, you know, generally it's going to be bittersweet to sad. If you've ever seen uh what is it was it a letter a letter to Zachary for Zachary? I, I have not and specifically yeah, yeah that's that's one I've that's avoided it. because it looks I haven't seen that either for the but that's got a kid reason. in it, right? Yeah. But when you sit down to watch something and you just came home from work 
<laughs> and you got to go <laughs> the, back in the oil field. Tomorrow. Right. Like the guys in overnighters, they're not, they're not, gonna not sit watching down and watch better it. to Zachary. I do think that has changed somewhat because of Netflix. And I, Maybe. I think in a good way. In a good way. I do feel like Joe and, you know, Joe Schmo, who really does not keep up with movies or care that much about movies, they are watching documentaries on Netflix. Yeah. I don't know if they're watching this one. I hope so. I feel like it's been featured on Netflix a little bit. I also feel like uh, I just watched uh, the documentary Happy Valley, which is about the Penn State, Joe Sandusky, Joe Paterno, or mm-hmm. Jim Sandusky, whatever the Sandusky dude's name is, and Paterno, that whole community. That's also very depressing or, or potentially depressing, certainly bleak subject matter. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I feel like it's it's probably drawing on an, an audience on Netflix because it's also telling the story of, of football fans, yeah. right? Yeah. Whereas this movie doesn't quite have have that necessarily uh, hopeful in. draw. Right. And yet, as you said, you know, it's, 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 it's about religion. And yeah. obviously most Americans identify as religious. It would be really neat if this kind of thing became a steady diet for moviegoers. It would be really interesting to see how that would affect society in general if people didn't necessarily avoid seeing hardship and and facing it facing it in your own life and all that stuff and it's like you know instead constantly sort of trying to escape um which not all people do no but but i certainly do i certainly look (laughs) for my own i mean you know i look for my own comfort food and, and you know all that another question that this movie raised to me, which I think is, is something you have to think about with if you're making a documentary, anytime you're watching a documentary, I think this is a question that you should ask. Was there, is there any sense of <laughs> the fact that a documentary is being filmed by the subjects themselves in the movie? Uh, I think this is an example of one where I would say emphatically no. There, there seems to be no concern that there that there's a camera here, and even any sort of regard that there's a camera here. And it's it was even more interesting to me in this case because the guy that's a focus is indeed a pastor and has a congregation. And I have to imagine, and I'm curious why this is not addressed in the film. I wonder if you ever thought this. Did somebody say, "Hey"? What? Why? What's? What's with the camera? Why are you doing this? You know, yeah. and I don't. Do you feel like, uh, in the context of the film, that you have an answer, or that you could guess what Pastor Jay's answer would be to that question? I, I do, um, and, and I did think about that, and I especially thought about okay. it at the end. Uh, the first oh, thing, yes, the first thing I thought being, uh, wow, you know, the the people making this movie really kept themselves out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I never sensed them. What I imagine Pastor Jay's reasoning for that uh, to be, I would assume, is that he realized he was in a tight spot. I'm guessing he thought, well, maybe if maybe if we can sort of document what we're doing here, maybe this will be able to sway people. They can really see what's happening. You know, I- like w- when it started, he may have thought. This is going to help the situation. Do you think he succeeded in that? I mean, by the end of this thing? I don't know. That's a tough question. No, I, I mean, I, I don't think he did. And I think 
that's sort of the nature of of documentaries and again uh kind of testament to how how good this documentary is is that uh you know if you if pastor jay started at a point where he thought this documentary is going to be about me and my ministry and how i'm helping these people and that's going to help us to help these people but when that narrative starts to leave the track um they just they just went with it and it sort of became more about you know there there's definitely that feeling of um you know it's it, i guess it's kind of in the background but this is all centered around the fact that north dakota became a huge uh place for fracking yeah which is uh you know apparently has many 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 drawbacks but no one seems to care and when there are tons of jobs to be had of course the people who want jobs certainly don't care they want to get jobs. They want to earn money. And so they all and, uh, you know, go there. And, and I, I kind of feel like that whole industry sort of just steamrolled everything in its path. And I feel like that's what the movie ended up being. I think that's really interesting. And what I really appreciate about you even bringing this up is I don't, I don't think the film makes that point itself whatsoever. It hardly even touches any environmental yeah, no. Uh, side effect from this industry. It hardly even touches the industry itself, period. Um, yeah. There's a I woman that expresses. Person, yeah. Yeah, Go she ahead. expresses concern about what's going to happen to her prairies, you know. And I thought that was a really interesting way of, of just putting that out there. So, and that's such a, a smart thing to do as a filmmaker because of how. Well, I, I say it's smart, and maybe not. I mean, uh, but how politicized the kind of climate is right now, you know, it, it's, you know people, I, I'm sure there are people that look at just the synopsis of this movie and see oil boomtown in a documentary, they're going to think it's anti-oil. Mm-hmm. It's, an, you know, it's it's anti-capitalist, uh, you know, job creation kind of thing. And they're probably going to write it off. And I'm going to say those people sh- are wrong. They should not do that. They <laughs> give this movie a chance. That's not yeah. what it's about. No. Um but it's also, I do wonder if the temptation for this documentary filmmaker was there, just knowing that, yeah, you know what? There's a built-in audience, a, a niche audience, but especially one that's probably more akin to be paying attention to film festivals that may lean towards the side that's saying, yeah, this is not a good thing for the environment. And so, I don't know, I really applaud that decision and the way that they handled that. And I think it's interesting that you brought that up because, yeah, I mean you should make that conclusion probably but well, yeah. it's not made by the film yeah. no not at all and i think uh you know it's 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 one of those things too where um you could as a filmmaker kind of make the decision that uh and i guess you'd have to be a, a super smart person to do it and and i i think jesse uh, moss may well be where you can kind of look at the situation and say okay fracking is causing a lot of problems there are going to be uh, this huge influx of people coming in for these jobs. There's already a problem because Pastor Jay is dealing with it. Right. And so it's the kind of thing where you don't need to step in and say, look how bad this is. You just have to let things play out. Because like, most likely things are not going to get better. <laughs> you know, in, in a way. like, it's, Which is so, I mean, it's so ironic in a way just because that's the entire reason these guys are going there. Right? Yeah. I yeah. mean, they're going there for jobs, supposed to make their lives better. Yeah. You know? And, um, and you know, that may be one thing that it's missing. 
unless that simply doesn't exist. And and maybe you can remind me if if this was in the movie. I'm not thinking about it. But I mean, were, were there any of these guys who sort of had a happy ending? Like any of these guys who went there and got the job? I'm like, okay, well, I got my job and I'm working on it. I mean, Keegan seems to come the closest, but then even him. I think he comes the closest. I mean, some of of his takeaway for me was uh, the negative experiences were more just being homesick a little bit, yeah. and the the strain that's that's caused by yeah going away from your family, mm-hmm. uh, especially if you're married or have a kid or or whatever the case may be, which he did. And saying, I'm going to go up here and make money. I'm going to send it back. And then when this job is over, I'll come back. You know, it's just just the simple strain of being apart. Yeah. Which could have happened anywhere. But, yeah, I think he came the closest. He got promoted in the film. And definitely there was, you know, there was genuine excitement on his behalf and pride in the fact that, you know, he was doing a good job and being recognized for it. And so I, I think that kind of stuff is important to balance the film out. It definitely, yeah, on the whole, you got the sense that this was not a good experience for most of these guys. And at the end of the day, I, I you know, it's, you just sort of question whether the, the money is worth it. I mean, part of me was watching this movie, which is kind of interesting. We're talking about this thinking the whole time, like, God almighty, we, we have just got to get rid of this idea that money doesn't buy happiness because look at how unhappy these people are and are flocking just in the, the prayer that they get a job like a good paying job they've had some rough circumstances in their lives they're skilled they're ready and willing to give up everything just to have a job because they need that income and that income provides so much so you can't tell me that money does not provide and so I was feeling that throughout the whole thing. And then that poor dude from, I think, South Carolina, who was uh, just, you know, was saying that he came here to save his family and kind of left thinking that this is actually what tore his family apart. Yeah. And, oh, man, that's uh, that's heartbreaking. And yeah. also, um, I don't know, it's, it's an interesting lesson to look at. I kept thinking the whole time I was watching this, like, this should be, college teachers got to be showing this movie to their students, right? Like, yeah. uh, it's just, yeah, it's like, it's it's so educational in a lot of ways. I mean, it's just everything, even from, we can get into it, the, you know, there's a big twist with this movie when they start looking into the number of registered sex offenders, and, and you're talking about, a lot of this movie has to do with redemption and giving people a second chance. And obviously that's a certain segment of the society that most of us are not prepared to mm-hmm. welcome into our homes, our communities in any sort of forgiving way. And yeah. the takeaway from that is complicated. You know, it's, it's complex. I, I don't think it's, it's black or white. I don't think it provides a good answer. I don't quite know how I, you know, I even feel about the whole thing. Um, yeah. You know, even watching the movie and, and, and seeing some of the neighbors, uh, refuse to talk to Pastor Jay and and sort of the one lady who they have cast as the uh, person who's sort of spearheading the movement to to stop this overnighter thing and and you know get her church back to the back to normal you know and and there's that uh, first impulse within me to just dislike those horrible people mm-hmm. like why you know you're just you're selfish and you're you know all that uh, but I mean in real life yeah. <laughs> 
I, I don't know that if I would feel much different from them. I mean, it, it would, I don't you think know? I would. Yeah. It, 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 as they said in the movie, it starts off with uh, him allowing, uh, I guess, 15 guys to kind of stay there for the winter. And then it just becomes this this constant thing where people are these strange people from out of state who, I mean, you know, in the movie, it seemed like most of them had some dark histories. And they already had. I mean, not specifically at that church, but the film very early establishes that there was a woman, a local woman, killed by two guys oh, over yeah, there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and that, that creates a very fearful climate, especially in a town that's, yeah, I mean, you're not even barely 20,000 people. Yeah. Um, and and it's, understandably it so. Town, yeah, it wasn't right. a town that was attracting people. No, until at this all. Happened. It was probably so, repelling people, if anything. Yeah. <laughs> I know, exactly. So, you know, no, I mean, no this offense, is, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fairly, you know, it's probably a fairly closed community. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and that's kind of how they liked it. So it is, you know, it's, it's kind of a story about that where you're just, you're adding people in from all over the country. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, here's Pastor Jay who, who is trying to do the right thing, the thing so you would hard. expect him to do so yep. hard that there's even that point in the movie where he says, you know, he, he thinks maybe he has a problem not saying no, that he would uh-huh. rather say yes and just deal with the consequences later. I will say, like, yeah, Pastor Jay is really intelligently self-aware. And, and just, I mean, uh, you know, when you're thinking about, God, how do you tackle a documentary? and How do you pick your subjects and, and the stuff that you, that you put in the movie and leave out of the movie? I mean, this guy I felt like was just, you know, offering up gold every time he opened his mouth. You know, I wrote down the line. He, he says, you know, even at one point maybe this is more self-serving than I realized. And that's like, you know, it's always like exactly at the time where I'm thinking the same thing about Mm -hmm. this guy. And it was just really, really interesting to watch him, you know, kind of verbalize what's going on with him in a way that was, you know, succinct and and really had some depth to it. And just, again, just kind of uh, aware of his own limitations and and motivations, I guess. Um, I think I want to just mention that there's a fantastic article I, I found online that kind of goes over, they ask like various questions of this director and talk about a lot. If you watch this movie and have questions, there's an article that we'll post online that will help answer some of these. And, and I, one of the biggest questions I think we, we should talk about is the scene where Pastor Jay tells his wife that he's, you know, had male attractions and that he's basically being blackmailed by someone that he had intercourse with or some sort of sexual liaison with. And you, I defy anyone to watch that and not in the back of their head, like even as, as powerful of a moment, it is think, why the hell is he letting them film this? Yeah. And, this article answers that, and I think it's kind of important to just talk about. It's just that you know the director says that the whole thing was surprising to him. He did not know that they were going to do that, and he just thought his understanding was that he was. It sounds like he didn't know about it, but that he he thought that Pastor Jay was going to tell his wife in a private situation without him, and this is how it came out. And you know, if they had ever asked him to turn the camera off, he certainly would have done that, and would not have put it in the film unless they somehow gave their okay to it. And again, that just, I mean, God almighty, it just, it kind of makes me, I don't know how I feel about them from that. It's like, I I want them to 
not put that out there just on a personal level. And yet I really have to admire them for doing that because it does feel, it feels less hypocritical to me, despite the fact that he's preaching one life and living a different one Mm -hmm. in the regards to his sexuality or sexual impulses. Then it does. This is a guy who's showing us in a million ways that he cares for people and he's being honest to people and accepting of people. Then to not, if he had not asked and admitted that and then asked, basically asking for acceptance of who he is and what he's done as a sinner, then to me, that's more problem. Like, you know, if we had found out about mm-hmm. that, like, two yeah. months after that, you know, this documentary comes out, then that to me is a problem. You know, I, I would lose a lot of respect for this guy, I think in a way. So yeah. it's a, it's a conflicting scene for me. And one that, uh, is probably the most powerful thing in this documentary. Yeah. How, yeah. Did, how did that land with you? Just watching it as an experience. I mean, did well, you, you didn't know about it. Did you? No, I had no idea. Okay. And I didn't, think about what you're talking about until you just brought it up now um just because i I feel like at that point i was so in that moment and in that movie that i I didn't even consider what kind of went into that but it is interesting that he would choose to do that and and a part of me feels like i wonder if again he's a super self-aware guy i wonder if he got to that point and he could see what was coming, mm-hmm. you know? And it was kind of a thing where it's like, it's almost better to document everything he does from here on out. Interesting. Than to do it behind the scenes, you yeah. know, and have it just blow up in weird ways. And then, you know, um, might as well, you know, if you're going to be exposed, you might as well be the one to expose yourself. That's, yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but I mean... If you do just sort of look at it guts. strategically, yeah, that's yeah. it's a smart move, but it takes a huge amount of guts. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I couldn't imagine, I mean, I couldn't even imagine having the conversation. That, yeah. I mean, that is a that is a life-crumbling conversation mm-hmm. to someone who you have lived with and presented yourself as one thing for so long. I mean, that is, uh, that's brutal. So, I don't know, any last kind of thoughts on this, Craig? Let's talk about the light here, the sweetness in the light for a second. Was there any sort of moment that made you like laugh and smile? I mean, I, I had several. And Waving at the Amtrak train? The Amtrak was fantastic. I don't, I mean. I had. I didn't know what to think at that point. Yeah, this is a guy who stops his car to get out and wave at an Amtrak and yeah. is giddy about it. Yeah. Pastor Jay. And if it happened uh, earlier in the movie, I would have been like, wow, that sure is a happy guy. But it happens a little later in the movie and it kind of feels like he might be cracking up. It feels like he might be cracking up or he just really, really needs to wave at a train. But mostly, he needs to be happy about something. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, uh, that is kind of um, coming on the heels of when he goes to get that RV and that w- the woman is like, get off my property. I have yeah. the loss. I mean, that whole sequence was... It's. It would not be comical to experience in real life, but in the movie, I couldn't help but like. Oh my but God, Jay doesn't seem to care. Doesn't seem to care. That blew my like, mind when she came out no. with a gun and he was just sitting there like. Mm. And that's definitely where you start to feel the slide of of what he's doing has really overwhelmed him. Yeah. But there was also before that. There's um, the part where he's talking to that guy Keith, who 
there's some very interesting stuff about that guy that I think has come to light, which uh, is in that article we'll post. Um, and he's <laughs> he's calling his wife to say that Keith is going to come stay with him. He's going to come on over now. And he asks Keith, do you eat tuna sandwiches? And then he's on his way. He eats tuna sandwiches. He's just like, really? Like, this is great. See, look, Keith has so much in common with us because he eats tuna sandwich. And then yes. you see them. And then this is the most important part. You see them eating the tuna sandwiches with the family. and, to and it's, everyone at a table. Yeah, it's, it's almost like uh, the odd couple kind of situation. Yeah. Or just like, guess who's coming to dinner? I mean, in yeah. a weird, weird way. And... I mean, yeah, I really just, I, I, you appreciate those moments so much, not just because of what they are, but especially in the in the context of the movie. And w- without them, I think, you know, it would have been easy to kind of cut some of those, I think. But uh, it would have been to the detriment, I think. Oh, I, yeah, I, I guess my final thing to say about it is it's it's fascinating to me and... It, it reinforces some of my more cynical beliefs in humanity that if Pastor Jay had never helped any of those guys, he'd probably be coasting right along in his life. Mm-hmm. But because he helped people, everything fell apart. Um, and you can't say only because he helped people, because right. he was lying. It's, it, that's an, another problem, too. You know, he... he you know, had had dishonesty going on uh, in his life, but it's just it's interesting that 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 was what sort of you might say fracked up his life. I would definitely say fracked <clears throat> up his yeah. life. I I honestly, this is extremely nerdy and stupid, but watching this was seeing some parallels actually to what just happened in Game of Thrones. I don't know if you've watched it or not, I, but I have there's not. A, okay, there's a situation where Jon Snow is basically paying attention to the larger situation at the expense of those that are closest to him and those that are kind of under his direct kind of command. Yeah. And that's sort of what happens here is that the city he's taking care and devoting his entire life to, to helping these other people. And it's those closest to him is the city that undoes it. One of the things I want to ask you is because Hollywood, I feel like has been They've been buying a lot of documentaries. I've been hearing for years that, you know, King of Kong is going to be made into a feature film. Or there's a great documentary about those, like, live-action role-player guys named Darkon that was supposed to be made, and made into a fiction film. And I feel like there's, there's always the intent to take a documentary that's as good and as riveting as something like this and then turn it into a blockbuster or, you know, an Oscar bait kind of movie. Do you think that would work with this particular story? Um, I think it could. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I would be afeared that they would end up with a happy ending somehow. I mean, it, you know, if it, was, if it was a true Oscar bait movie, it would not have to be totally happy. But, um, but I feel like it would be more happified. Um, and, you know, it's another movie I thought about while watching this, uh, I guess for somewhat obvious reasons, is uh, Five Easy Pieces. I did too. I honestly did. Nice. And it, mostly because I thought the sequel to this story <laughs> would be Jay working in the oil field yeah. and like, uh, what what the hell that looks like, you know? Exactly. And I thought of Five Easy Pieces. Uh, five Easy Pieces <laughs> for some easy reason. Six Easy Pieces. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I can't say it would be as riveting. 
as knowing that it's all real and happening. But it's a really good story. And I mm-hmm. feel like if... if uh, it would really depend on who made the movie. But I feel like it you'd lose a lot of magic um, where there's already magic. And maybe don't mess with the magic. Maybe take yeah. this as a, as a jumping off point and say, hey, that was a really good movie that people who actually watch it like maybe there's something about having character pieces like that that are that can be really effective and and make some more movies like that um i totally I agree miss these kind of movies mm-hmm. yeah i feel like it yeah i feel like it would inspire a great movie that's set in a different town and a different environment about a different person but i don't know that a direct translation adaptation uh, I, which, frankly, I just don't frankly think it would be as good. I mean, because no. of yeah, real life is probably always going to trump, you know, fiction in this type of story. Uh, any thoughts on just anybody jump to mind as who would make a good Pastor Jay though, actor wise? You know what's what's kind of ridiculous for some reason. Um, not that this is good casting at all, but right. for some reason, uh, aside from the actor being good. Yeah, I was thinking Matthew McConaughey. I right, that'd be awesome. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and 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 maybe because it sort of feels like that's that's who they would cast if they were going to make a narrative he, film of this and go I for think, the Oscar. Yeah, yeah, why wouldn't they cast him? It doesn't matter would, if he looks like Pastor Jay. No, it would totally be set in Texas, though, yeah. right? Or yeah. Louisiana. I mean, Matthew McConaughey is a pastor. I'm watching that. Yeah, uh, you know, I don't know. I still kind of think, think the, you're the, the something. True Detective yeah. casting. Of Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey together, it's almost like they should do like buddy movies. I don't know. They should. Those yeah. those two guys together were pretty uh, amazing, and I, I kind of thought of both of them uh, when you brought that up. What about you? I don't know. I mean, you know, it's yeah. It, it just depends, sort of, what arena you're hoping to play in. I mean, I could see Clooney kind of pulling off this sort of dude yeah. a little bit. I think. Um, and then there's also. No, oh, you know what. Honestly, with a little bit of makeup, you're looking at a, a, a Damon right there. Yeah. Why would that be anybody but Damon? But then everybody's going to be like, he, oh, this is going to be a political movie. <laughs> and then, well, yeah, and he already did a fracking movie uh, yeah. with Gus Van Sant. So, um, Hey, everybody. I want to tell you about next week's episode, essentially our Christmas episode, and we have a really special guest for you. It's the one, the only, son of God, wait, son of Doug, Doug is his dad's name. Uh, our, our guest is Damien Leahy, uh, writer-director of The Heroes of Arvine Place, uh, writer-star of Cocaine Angel, and several shorts and other kinds of projects, super creative guy. Uh, and a lot of fun to talk to. We're going to be talking to him. We're going to be talking to him about the 2007 movie Shadows in the Palace. Look for it. It's not easy to find, but if you can, check it out, watch it. It's really good, and join us back here, and we'll be talking about it. Until then, keep your feet on the stairs and keep reaching for the ground. I'll work on it.